Roar Nation, Promise Keepers is back July 31st, 2020. Estimated 80,000 men will be gathering at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Speakers are going to rock the house. It's going to be a full lineup. And on top of that, worship is going to be amazing. Why am I telling you so far in advance? Because tickets are on sale and they're slowly selling out. So that being said, I hope I see you there. I am planning on going. Go to promisekeepers.org to get info and tickets. Again, go to promisekeepers.org. See you there. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Thank you. Good morning. All right. So, um, again, is. Uh, Mark said my name is John Fuller, and uh, um, I have a slide or two. Uh, recently, um, coming out with my second book called In Speaking God's Frequency, and today I'm going to be speaking out of that book, which is chapter two of Transforming, uh, Being Transformed Power of Love, um, but just kind of want to give you a little backdrop about this book, um, if you get a chance, it is... Something that I started back in 2012, and really what it was is a journey that I walked for the last six years, or I should say eight years with the Lord, and just transforming our mind and really walking in God's love and what He has for us. But really, what blessed me about this book is just how God takes us through a journey and a process, and what was amazing for me is just getting the support and the help. Uh, If you guys are familiar with the guy who wrote The Shack, um, uh, Paul Young, uh, he, uh, the movie came out, he sold like 40 million books or something like that. He actually helped contribute to the book, uh, Brian Head Welch from Corn. Uh, we just, it was really amazing just to see what God could do in the midst of us. You, you ever feel like just sometimes you're just like a nobody? And, and, and all of a sudden, God just like does something and starts bringing people together. So it really blessed me. So I just want to share that with you guys. Uh, second, for those of you who don't know, uh, my family, uh, just real quick backdrop. I have three amazing kids, uh, one in college who I get to go see next week, and uh, Tanton and Clora who also help with sound and music as well. And I can't even remember what my next slide is. Oh, yes, podcast. So for those of you who don't know, we've had a podcast for the last three years. That's how I got started writing the book. And uh, we've actually uh, just hit our two millionth download. Uh, We're in like 150 countries. And basically what we do is I interview Christians all over the world talking about specifically how God brought them into a place where they're at. So whether it's music, musicians, businessmen, um, one of my favorites actually uh, is a, a lady here in town. Uh, she started Yes Lord. Have you ever seen? Have you seen the stickers on the back of the car? Some of you say Yes Lord. Um, she, what? Yeah, Christy Gooding. Um, she started that out of her house and literally just started calling people, and it just started filling up, and it turned into 20, 30, 40, 60 people, and it exploded. And, and the reason that really resonated to me is because she was just being obedient to the Lord, and she just wanted to do what God was doing. And because of that, something exploded out of that. So that's kind of the purpose of the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Transforming Power of Love, uh, Chapter 2. So over the last several weeks, 
Pastor Daryl has been talking about uh, the story of Exodus. And he's bringing us through the journey of how we've seen the Israelites have gotten delivered from bondage into what he wanted, God wanted to bring them into the promised land. But what amazes me about this story is when I think about it, is it's, it's more than just being delivered from a place. What it really was about, in, in my opinion, in some of it, was, was a mindset. See, the thing is, is they got delivered, but the mindset went with them. They were still in bondage when they left. That never, that never really changed, and God had to bring them through a process of transformation. So, sorry, I'm just kind of going over my notes and thinking about it. So, in life, we all have defining moments. Okay, so when I think about it and I read through the Bible, uh, take uh, Adam and Eve, for instance. So, their defining moment, I think we'd all agree we're still living out their defining moment of sin, right? And then you have Moses, who led the Israelites out of uh, Egypt. You have Paul, who gets blinded on the road to Damascus. So we all have defining moments in our life. We all have these mile markers in our life. And I want to kind of share my journey with you guys and some mile markers that were in my life. So when I was nine years old, my life got turned upside down in ways I never thought even imaginable. Uh, my brother, who was three years old, drowned in a pool, and he died. And he didn't die from drowning actually in the pool. He drowned because when he was air vac from the hospital, from one hospital to another, they forgot to turn on his air mask, and he suffocated to death. So because of that, we ended up, my parents went through a lawsuit and years of just heartache, obviously, for my parents. And my house, to say the least, is, is when I write about it in the book, is there were shadows in my house, and they just got darker by the day. So because of that, my mom would turn to prescription drugs and uh, alcohol, and she literally just kind of spun out of control. My dad turned and uh, started uh, doing cocaine uh, for years uh, because he was working three, four jobs trying to get out of debt because of hospital bills and all the different things. And, and because of that experience, our house was literally, to say the least, it was, it was just dark. And it was a really hard place to live. Um, and six, so by sixth grade, this is, it was nine, by sixth grade, uh, ended up getting uh, abused. I did by my mom's friend. Uh, seventh grade, I started smoking weed. By eighth grade, um, that was kind of through eighth grade. By my freshman year, uh, I ended up uh, getting hooked on meth. And uh, I was actually one of the, if you guys have heard of Young Life, I was actually one of the first kids ever to get kicked out of Young Life at a church camp. So fingers crossed, I'm hoping my record still stands. That's one of those records you don't want broken, right? So that was my freshman year. And then... Um, and I kind of got cleaned up by age 16, but what happened was is I ended up trading one substance abuse for another, and I got into bodybuilding, got into football, and, uh, and really excelled. And, and I got to say, I, lo I love sports, and football for 
uh, or any sometimes sports when you're young and angry is just a great outlet. Uh, to be able to hit people and not get in trouble was a lot of fun. Uh, but the funny part about it was, I'll never forget one story, is uh, I was a tailback in high school and college, and I remember one time I just loved to hit people, and it was just fun. And I remember running through, and, uh, and there was a guy coming at me, and instead of juking him and going around him, I just smack ran right in him. And the only thing between me and the end zone was him. So it wasn't like it was a big deal. And, uh, and uh, anyways, I run into him, we fall down, and the coach just grabs my mask, and he's just ripping into me like, what in the heck are you doing? And I remember, he's like, why didn't you run around him? And I was thinking, because I just wanted to hit him. And, uh, but the problem with that is it's great for defense, but not for offense. So, um, so that's about age 16. And then, uh, at age 18 was kind of the nail in the coffin for me as far as identity goes. So my parents, because of the drugs and alcohol, there was fights basically every night, uh, just domestic violence. And, uh, the police would come to our house two, three times, sometimes more, uh, a week then have to break up a fight. One of my parents would end up going to jail and it would leave me and my sister at the house and um, one night, uh, my parents kind of get in a fight, and I kind of get stuck in the middle of it. And my mom yells, and she gets mad, and she says, and, and she's drunk, and she says, he's not even your real dad anyway, just ask him. And I'm like, what is that about? And I turn around to ask my dad, what is she talking about? And the look on my dad's face said it all. I knew at that point. And so for me, to say that I had an identity crisis going on was really to say the least, because I had a lot of things to work through, obviously, between my brother dying, who I am, trying to bounce to try to figure out, like, what does that look like, not having a biological father, is he your dad? So at 18, to say I kind of had a mess of emotions (laughs) was to really say the least. So a couple months after that, uh, ended up getting, uh, I, I move away on a football scholarship. And, and, and growing up, I just knew that the only way for me out of this mess was to leave. And my, my ticket, my train ticket was going to be football. And that's how I got out. And I said, I'm going to get a scholarship and I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. And, uh, I left. So we went to college and, uh, Couple uh, go through first year, and then second year, I get to meet my beautiful wife, Casey. And we meet, and uh, we date, and we start going to church. And the Lord really just put on our heart and told us that either we needed to get married or separate. And uh, I had no idea what that looked like, and uh, just wanted to be obedient to the Lord, and we got married. And uh, right around that exact same time, we get married, and uh, we end up uh, buying a business, our first business. And for me... You know, not having the mindset obviously I have now, my thought was, I'm going to get married, buy a business, life's going to be great, right? So I I thought if I did all these things, that life was going to be okay. But the problem is, is where you go, there you are, right? So I had all these internal issues. So we get married, we buy a business, and I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. This is going to be all like rainbows and unicorns, right? And uh, oh my gosh, it was a mess, So I don't think it could have been any worse because part of the problem was, is I just, I had a very unhealthy thought life and I had a very, really bad self-talk. So Casey was really kind and she was sweet when we got married and uh, I was pretty obnoxious and loud. 
And uh, I always think there's a, a verse in Proverbs that says, uh, Proverbs 14.3 kind of sums it up really well. It said, proud fools talk too much. The words of the wise protect them. And uh, so when we got married, you talk about fights. Everyone talks about a honeymoon phase. Like the, we've been married over 20 years now. The last five years of our marriage have been our honeymoon. The, f- the first five were the opposite of a honeymoon. So we were working about 80 hours a week. And uh, we, were, we were doing that. We were trying to figure out how to run a business. We had three kids. So we're trying to figure out how to be parents, run a business, have kids. And in the midst of all that, both of us had come from families full of drug addicts and alcoholics. And they were pulling at us trying to help them. So in the midst of trying to figure out life, we're trying to figure out how to do life and deal with all these external circumstances constantly pulling at us. Um, Really, looking back, I would say we were in survival mode, to say the least. So looking back, though, I know God had us right where he wanted us. And uh, as Pastor Darrell's talked about the story of Moses, you know, when you read the Bible, the first 40 years that we read about uh, Moses, we read about him being in the presence of Pharaoh and in the palace, right? But you don't hear anything about the second 40. And he was in the desert. And what I really believe is God was doing a brain transplant in Moses on those second 40 years when he was in the wilderness because there were so many things that he had to work through. And then he has that moment where he's at the burning bush, and then that's where it kind of picks up when we read about the second 40 years, or sorry, third 40 years of his life, that was really where he writes history, because he has that moment and that experience with God that is powerful, so powerful, in fact, that allows him to lead a nation into a promise. So, is that going back, talking about kind of some of the issues that I had in the negative self-talk, I had a performance mindset with God. And the reason I had a performance mindset, and I think a, and I think a lot of people do at times, but it's, it's kind of like, when, so when I was growing up with my dad, I always felt like as long as I performed, my dad loved me. As long as I excelled in football or baseball or wrestling or whatever I did, that my dad, we had this relationship and that he was proud of me. And so the issue with that was, though, is when I carried that over into my relationship with God, not knowing him, I still carried the same mindset that I had with my dad, that I had to perform to get God's love. And that is so far from the truth. So, so in like church, so when I first got saved, Casey and I went to a church, there was a revival going on, and, and we went to church like three, four times a week. Um, I did all the things like I served I tithe, and I did all the things that good Christians do, whatever that is. What do good Christians do? Whatever that is. But I did it. Oh, I thought I, thought I dinged for a second. <laughs> My phone teed. So I had this mindset that, but I'm thinking, if I'm doing all these good things that God's telling me to do, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm serving and I'm tithing, then why am I not blessed? Why is life so hard? And, and, the, and the problem with that was is that that's just not who God is. And that's not what he wanted for us. So at some point, you're going to hit, or I hit, a, a crossroad. And, and all of us at some point hit this crossroad where our theology 
of who God is is wrong. And what I mean by that is, is we think God is one way, but he's actually another. And when we get into that, the way to change that is, is we can decide that our truth is going to be our truth, or we can decide in other, what other people believe, or we can decide to jump into the Bible and really go after God and read his word and say, what does it really say about my life? What is, how does God really feel about me? And that needs to decide, or I'm sorry, that needs to become our truth. We have to go after God like we've never have before and say, God, who are you? What do you have to say about me? So for me, going back to my history and the mindset that I had, it was, is God, do I have to perform for you to love me? Do I have to be a certain way? And what God was taking me was down a journey to show me that I didn't have to do all these perfect things to receive the love of Christ of what he had for me. See, part of the problem was is that I always thought when I messed up that God was mad at me. So for instance, when I first got saved, I thought if I still cussed, said a bad word, if I didn't tithe, if I didn't go to church, if I didn't do X, Y, and Z, then all of a sudden God didn't love me. And so many times I think as a church, man, I don't care if you've been saved for a month or if you've been saved for 30 years, we still fall back into that mindset. And if you think I'm wrong, look at the Israelites, right? So they saw all these miracles and all the things that God did, but yet they still get there and they're like, well, God, are you going to feed us? God, are you going to give us water? After they just saw all the things that God's done. So the mindset still says you have to change your mindset and realize who God is in your life and what he wants to be in your life. So kind of analogy, I kind of thought of like, you know, go back to school. I thought if being like the teacher's pet, if I wasn't getting all A's and wasn't trying to suck up to the teacher that I wasn't loved. I think in, uh, in John 10, 10 lately, has really just stuck out to me and as, as I wrote this is um, what I believe is one of I, I believe Jesus actually had mission statements like he declared obviously he declared who he was but it was like a mission statement and one of those is in John 10 10 he states that he says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy I have come in order that you might have life and life in its fullness and I want to read that again so this is in red letters this is Jesus speaking he says I have come in order that you might have life in life in its fullness. So, here's my crossroad. I have to start thinking about, okay, so it's pretty simple. I believe God's word. I believe God is who he says he is in my life, but I'm not living in fullness, and I'm not living in abundance. So, I have two opposite things going on right now. And so, what I had to decide was my truth Am I wrong? I absolutely was wrong. Because what the Bible said of who God says he was and the way my life was coming out were not congruent with each other. Because I was not living a full life. I was not living a life of abundance. I knew I was doing something wrong. So, talking about landmark nights, and uh, I was talking about like... uh, mile markers in life. So a couple years after we get saved, we're going, I told you about this revival service and we're going to the service and um, they start playing worship just like we were right now. 
And it just kept on going on and on and on. And I'm pretty sure, I don't think the pastor actually spoke that night. I think we just did worship all night. And uh, there was a moment, and this went on for several hours, maybe three or four hours, because I know the service itself went on for, I think, almost six. And we go a couple hours in, people start leaving, and uh, Casey comes up, and um, I think we had Kenna at that time, and she comes up to the altar to get me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just weeping, and just crying, and just sobbing. It was so refreshing. And uh, she said, I'm going to go home, do you want to go? And I literally, I could not get off the floor. It almost, I felt like God was sitting on me and saying, you're going to stay right here and you're not moving. And I sat there and cried for several hours and, uh, and the pastor offered to take me home. So Casey leaves and, uh, and he starts, he picks up, everyone's gone. It's just him and I, and he picks up his guitar and he starts playing. And I literally felt like another wave of God's presence just came and I just cried and I cried And it wasn't like tears of sadness, but it was like tears of refreshing, of God getting 20 years of hurt and of anger and all these things. And I literally was leaving them at the altar. And God was showing me that there was a love that I have never experienced that that was undescribable that he wanted to share with me. And it just, it was a cleansing process. Because I allowed him to do it because I knew I had decided and I was intentional to say, God, I know I think you're like this, but I'm willing to be wrong with my thoughts. And if you're really like this, I want to see who you are and I want to experience who you are. And I'm willing to go after this, even if it means that I'm wrong. And whatever that looks like, I'm willing to go for it. And we did. So one thing that going through that process that I've realized is Jesus came back. Jesus came to restore us. God's whole intention, the whole plan of Jesus was to restore us, to bring us into a place of fullness, a place of restoration. Genesis is our perfect example. If you go back to Genesis, that's where it all began. God's desire has always been for us to walk with him, to walk in his presence, to have relationship and to be in fullness. And it was never God's heart for us to walk in the curse. I think so many times we, we get in this mindset and we think, well, uh, we're cursed or bad things are supposed to happen because, I'm doing, because I've done bad things. Now, don't get me wrong. There's cause and effect, right? There's, there's consequences to my actions. But when we're really going after God and our heart is to pursue and follow God, Sometimes bad things happen, but God's desire for us is to restore us, to bring us into a place of relationship with him and to fix things. Again, back to John 10.10, to give us a life of fullness and abundance. So back to thoughts. So every time I hear the word abundance, I think material possessions. Okay, so that's a bad mindset. So, because it's not, don't get me wrong, God wants to bless us, God wants to give us things, okay? But abundance is not material possessions. But so many times we think that and we see that, and, and, I, and I'm sorry and I hate to say this, but I've, even, I've seen it in church, I've seen it on TV, that people think that, that we're only blessed if God gives us stuff. But that's not abundance. Abundance is having a beautiful marriage, 
Abundance is having relationship with people and community and fellowship. Abundance is having friends that are closer than a brother. Abundance is having peace. That is abundance. And when we walk in those things and we have those things, all of a sudden, yeah, we we get possessions, but that's never the focus. The focus is always Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus, all of a sudden, all these other things start coming. So on, on this journey... I had a major conflict. And, and part of that conflict was, is, is I talked about having a bad mindset, but I had a lot of negative self-talk. So for some of you, you're thinking, uh, like, what does negative self-talk look like? And, and Casey, for years, got on to me about this, and it was such a blessing for me, because uh, Proverbs says that you get the fruit of your lips. Okay, so when we were going through hard times... And, and maybe for some of you, when you're going through hard times, who, who says stuff like, oh, life just sucks, or I'm broke, or like all of a sudden like things start happening, and you just start walking in that, and you think, well, it's never going to get better. Like, is anybody else, am I the only one that has like thoughts like your mind starts going places it shouldn't go? It's opposite of who God is. So we start down that mindset and we think, well, things are never going to get better. I suck. I'm not smart enough. Like it just keeps going and going and going. That is not God. That is the opposite of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is not who the Father is. So back to what I was telling you, Casey would tell me, because I would say those things out loud. I'm pretty verbal. And I just, I used to just say whatever I thought was on my mind. And as I've gotten older and have an amazing wife, I've learned to tame my tongue. But part of the problem was, is I would just say, we're broke. We're always going to be broke. Life's just hard. It sucks. And she would say, you're going to get the fruit of your lips. We're not. We're rich. We're blessed. We're anointed. We're favored. And she would start saying those things to me. And I started walking in that. And I would just say, you know what? My business is blessed. Did it look blessed? No, it didn't. But I would say it, our marriage was having a hard time and we were having a hard time communicating, but I'd say, no, I have a good marriage. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me an amazing wife. Thank you for giving me amazing kids. And every time the enemy would try to throw a fiery dart in my brain and tell me the opposite of who I was, I'd combat it with scripture and say, no, I am blessed. I'm anointed. I'm favored. And that is who God is. Those are the things that we have to walk in. So on that journey, I had to start making decisions to say, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to speak these things over my life. I'm going to speak who God says I am, and I'm going to speak these things over my family. So as I started, and I talk about this in the book, as I started on this journey of speaking things of who God says I was and speaking scripture over my life, all of a sudden our marriage started to transform. All of a sudden, we we were closer and we had better communication as I saw things change in my kids. And for me at the time, the and I think, and I'm speaking to every man in here, you know, you feel this burden to, to meet the need of your family. And what that and sometimes what it is is financial. And, and for me, it was such a struggle as, as I wanted to provide for my family and I wasn't. And God was showing me in that season of my life that his love for my life, that God was like, I can meet the needs of your family. And what he did was, is is taught me how to speak over my business. And all of a sudden, our our business, our finances literally started to grow in ways that I'd never thought imaginable because he was teaching me 
how he saw our business and how he saw our lives. So that was kind of the journey that I walked with the Lord in, in his love for me and what that looked like. And really what that came down to was I was being obedient to the Lord and speaking the things that he was saying because I decided to listen and say, God, what are you saying? I wasn't reacting out of fear. I wasn't reacting out of emotion. I was spending time with the Lord saying, God, what are you saying about these things? What do you have to say about my marriage? What do you have to say about our business? And really tuning in and saying, God, I know you have something to say. What are you saying? And then walking in that. So if we go back to um, back in the Old Testament, we see great examples of people who followed God and those who did it. If you get a chance, go back and read First and Second Kings. I love these books because what you see is, is kings who decided to do things God's way and, and kings who decided to not do them God's way. And every example, without fail, every king that decided, I'm going to pursue God and put God first, they, the nation of Israel was blessed. But every time that someone decided not to follow God and do things the way they thought, the, the Bible refers to them as evil men. And because they were evil, everybody suffered around them. And when we decide to pursue God and to go after God's love and what he has for our lives, there is a transformational process. Inevitably, it happens every time as you read all through the Bible. See, the thing is, is that God, Jesus... His desire for us is to give us life. And what I love about this is Jesus is life. And when we pursue Jesus, he can't give us what he doesn't have. All he can give us is life. It's the overflow. As we pursue him and go after him, the overflow of who he is comes out in our life in every area. It is amazing. Jesus is more than enough. So today, I tell you part of my story because it's a journey. And all of us today, and I believe most of us have, we've obviously said the sinner's prayer, and we've asked the Lord to forgive us, and, and, and we're walking in that. But for years, I struggled with that. Because I thought, God, I, I am saved, and I do love you, but there has to be more. I know there's more. And really what I can equate that to is, is if I invited you all over today, which you're not invited, so don't come. But <laughs> say that jokingly, but if I invited you today to come to my house and I said, hey, we're having a huge banquet, lots of food, uh, plenty to drink, we're going to hang out, uh, play games, and uh, we're just going to have a good time. And you come to my house, and, and after church, we're all hungry, right? So you all come hungry, and you got an appetite, but you come to my front door, and I answer the door, and you're standing at the door, I'm like, man, I am so glad to see you guys, I'm so excited, come in, let's hang out, let's eat. And you just stand at my door, and you're like, no, I'm okay, thank you though, I'm here, but thank you. I'm like, no, come in, there's food, I know you're hungry, let's hang out. And you said, no, I'm, I'm okay, I'm just going to hang out at the door. Doesn't make sense, does it? But that's God's invitation. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to change your mindsets. He wants to pour out a love for you more than you could ever understand because he wants to transform your mind. He wants to transform your thoughts. 
And most importantly, he wants to transform your relationship with him so it overflows into other people. The door's open, and there's plenty to eat, and there's plenty to drink, and there's a lot of fellowship. But you have to be willing to step through the door and invite him into and, and be because you're invited into more, he wants you for that. So today this is something that's different. If you guys want to play. I tell you about my journey. There's, Pastor Daryl does an amazing job as a teacher. There's a lot of scripture. I don't have a lot of scripture for you today, but what I have for you is a journey. Go ahead and come up. And I want to invite you guys on a journey. And that journey is to pursue God like you never have before. I don't care if you've been saved, you're just recently saved, or you've been saved for 40, 50 years. God is constantly peeling away layers like an onion because he wants to take you deeper. And today I want to invite you on this journey that I got to experience, that I've been experiencing for years, is I want to invite you today to come to an altar. There's nothing special about this altar. There's nothing special about this place. If we were at the house, we could do it at your house. We could do it at my house. doesn't matter. But I want to invite you to say, God, I want more. I want whatever it is you have for my life. I want more. So I'm going to invite you as a family, as a church family, any of you that are to say, as we worship together right now, I want to invite you to come up here to get prayer or whatever it is you want to do. Worship, you can do it there in the seat to say, God, whatever it is you have for me, maybe I, maybe I don't have, maybe it was like me. Maybe you have a mindset of you think God's like this, but he's really trying to say, no, I'm like this. And I want to invite you to come forward to say, God, whatever it is you have, that's what I want. Amen. So if you feel led to, I'm going to invite you to come up here. We're just going to pursue God as a family. I'm going to invite you to come up here and say, God, whatever it is you have, release it. Amen. All right. I want to pray for you guys. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for what you do in our lives. And Father, I come before you first and foremost. If I have any thought that doesn't align with who you are, change it. Father, I don't want to allow the enemy to give me lies and to be in alignment with the, with the wrong kingdom. I want to be in a line with your kingdom of who you say we are, who you say I am. And Father, we just come after you. We go after you to say, Father, release your goodness, release your love, release your kindness. We love you and we thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.